0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Body Liberation for All. I'm your host and decolonized wellness and body image coach, Dahlia Kinsey. I help queer folks of color heal their struggles with shame, self acceptance through nutrition and self care so they can live the most fierce, liberated, and joyful version of their lives. Even though Europe represents only about 8% of the planet's land mass, From 1492 to 1914, Europeans colonized more than 80% of the entire planet. The legacy that colonization has left for us includes stubborn white supremacy culture, that we are still working to detangle ourselves from. Last summer I participated in a Decolonizing Your Business program and it was life-changing. It's so easy to overlook the damage of colonization when you are not looking for it because it is ever present. In this week's conversation with Sarah Osman, another participant in that program, we talk about the effects that it had on us. It was so positive and was a catalyst for so much growth. Even though it's been a minute, we are still in touch with our new siblings from the program and holding space for each other as we move through this ongoing, frequently uncomfortable process of detangling ourselves from internalized stigma and detangling ourselves from white supremacy culture. It's a really good conversation and I hope it will inspire you to start doing some decolonizing work of your own. Let's jump right in. Yeah, they might try to put you in a box. Tell them that you don't accept when the world is tripping out. Tell them that you love yourself. Hey, smile on them live your life just how you like it it's your party negativity is not invited for my queer folk my trans people of color let your voice be heard look in the mirror and say that it's time to put me first you were born to win head up high with confidence this show is for everyone so i thank you for tuning in let's go (laughs) exactly exactly Hey, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me on your podcast. So we're both in a business coaching group and so much has been shifting and changing for us. I felt like this was something we really needed to share with everybody. So our group is specifically for women or femmes of color and breaking down barriers that we have to being successful in business because of how we've been socialized And all kinds of things that honestly, I don't think I was consciously aware of some of these barriers that are coming up for me, because it's so rare that we get any content that's created specifically for us to address our lived experience. So sometimes I don't know the difference between, oh, this is just my life versus, oh, this is what almost all Fems of color are experiencing. So, can you tell us about your business and what are your marginalized identities?
1: Yeah, so I'm a wellness and uh, mindset coach. I work primarily with women, and I my pronouns are she/her. I'm from Mauritius, which is I know today we're going to talk a lot about identities, and that's something that I don't always share with people, and so I thought it'd be great for me to share it here. But I come from Mauritius, which, for those who haven't heard of Mauritius, it's a small island east of Madagascar. But I've been living in Canada for ten years now, so Canada is most definitely my home these days, residing in Guelph. But I come from Mauritius, and I I love that about myself, and that's something that I've been slowly reclaiming and integrating a lot more in my day to day, and also in my business.
0: For a lot of people I know, maybe we've heard of Mauritius, kind of. And it seems like this very (laughs) far away, exotic place that most of us will never get to travel to. What do people look like there? Because when I Googled it, (laughs) it looked like people have a lot of African ancestry, but a lot of other ancestry too. And it's funny, race is such a not real thing, like it's not biologically real, that you can take a flight and your race, quote unquote, changes. So when you were in Mauritius, how did you identify, or did you even have to? Like what is the race situation in Mauritius?
1: That's a very interesting question. I love that you asked that because I don't often get asked that question. But Mauritius is definitely like a melting pot of people from various different backgrounds. So But like way back when, let's get into a bit of history here, way back when Mauritius actually did not have anybody on the island. So uh, it was colonized by the French and the British, and they brought in uh, slaves at the time from various different areas in the Indian Ocean. So Madagascar, uh, some areas in South Africa and sort of along the eastern uh, part of Africa, A lot of people from India and Indonesia as well, uh, that region. And then also we've had a lot of people coming from China and that's sort of later on, especially to work in textile and other sort of industries. So there's a lot of, (laughs) a lot of, you know, different cultures. The way that we identify, like the way I identified, in Mauritius was as mi- a mixed race because my background is from all different areas. So on my dad's side, we've got some ancestry that from India and Malaysia, and then my mom, it's the- her roots are from Madagascar and France. So very much a mix. But it's not unusual to see a lot of people, you know, that who are mixed of mixed races. That being said, we didn't, I don't think we necessarily, you know, would come up and talk about like, this is how I identified culture wise. I think we've all learned to sort of live with our different identities. And there's many, many ways that we all celebrate each other's identities. And that's something that I definitely miss, you know, for example, like, Chinese New Year is something that obviously a lot of people with Asian ancestry would celebrate, but it's something that everyone else would kind of, you know, celebrate as well. It would be a holiday for everybody, which is awesome. You know what I mean? So we always had a chance to get to know each other's cultural backgrounds, traditions in a lot of different ways and, and celebrate it.
0: <laughs> oh, that's really nice. And I assume based on what Canadians tell me that things aren't as bad as far as people not wanting to embrace people that are a little brown as it <laughs> is in the States. I don't know if that's true. That's what I've been told. So I I would imagine had you moved to the Southern U.S., everybody just would have, insisted on saying well you're black american now because they like eyeball you and it doesn't matter if we all have all these different cultural backgrounds down here they just kind of shove us in one box and you don't get to well not that you need permission to be distinct and be yourself but people don't recognize it and by people i mean the dominant cultural group what has that been like in canada
1: well, I have to say that I've been very blessed with a positive experience in my ten years. I you know, there's been perhaps like in certain conversations, a few comments that have come up, but never any that, you know, I came out of it feeling unsafe. So I am very, very grateful for that. Now looking back, you know, there are definitely some conversations and I look back and I, I'm thinking oh, so, you know, you were seeing me through a completely different lens than I was seeing you, you know? And I find people don't tend to ask me necessarily where I'm from. And I think part of that... is because I sound Canadian. So, you know, my my first language is actually French. So growing up, I spoke a lot of French, still do when I speak to my parents or my relatives, right? And so when I first came here, my accent was different. (laughs) But I think as part of wanting to integrate well into the culture, that naturally sort of shifted. And I mean, I've been here for 10 years now. And so people don't always think to ask me that, If anything, I often find that anyone who does not identify as a Canadian citizen are the ones who generally ask me. And they often Mm. ask if I'm from Ethiopia. That's something that I've never thought of. I think that's probably
0: (laughs) a compliment because I can't think of anybody that I've met from Ethiopia who isn't like super cute and really pretty. Like that's probably (laughs) what they mean. I'm assuming that's what they mean. I, I did
1: not know at first what that meant, right? And it was it was an interesting experience because I would have people who are of Ethiopian ancestry who would come up to me and speak to me. in if Oh, my, that's how, Wow. That's, <laughs> oh,
0: that this compliment is even better. <laughs> They've
1: validated
0: it. <laughs> I know. And so I was
1: always confused because they would start talking to me in a language that I did not understand. And, and I would say, I'm sorry, like, I don't understand. And I'd have people sometimes try to explain to me what they thought, or they would just walk away. <laughs> I just
0: thought oh. that is so <laughs> funny. I, I was going to ask if people believe you because this is, first of all, let's just own that the multiracial experience is just fascinating. And oh, I, I, because honestly, the whole human family, we're all like cousins. But we've got this delusion going that we're all so, so different that we can spot who is with us. Yeah. (laughs) Who's from some other place. But you can't because we're literally all related. And I have other friends that constantly are being misidentified from people from an uh, another ethnic group but they don't believe them when they say they don't speak the language they're like oh this they think that person's struggling with internalized shame or something
1: And then i've had just, that uh, comment too yeah <laughs> i wondered about that and then i have to convince them and i have to explain where i'm from and it's just the whole anyways i mean in some cases it's been a beautiful bonding experience and in other cases it just was
0: awkward. And I just didn't know <laughs> what to do. <laughs> that's that's just fascinating to me. So what has it been? Well, it does sound like maybe the Canadians are telling the truth. It sounds like <laughs> they picked the right part of the North American continent. Uh, I really don't know what the experience would have been in Mexico. So I'm not going to leave them out. We are all on the same continent. But once you started realizing in the coaching program that maybe you wanted to fully integrate your Mauritian identity. What came up for you? Did you realize initially when you moved, because the immigrant experience is a difficult one. Mm -hmm. And I think it pushes people to grow in like a really rapid way. And it changes you. It changes your children. It's very interesting. My mother had that experience, but... I haven't personally. So how do you explain kind of this transformation you went through?
1: When I first moved here, I, I hadn't really thought about that. Like when I first moved here, I was really excited. I moved here because I, I had planned to go here for university and I just really wanted to embrace it all. And at the time when I first moved here, I had an idea that a lot of people wouldn't know perhaps who I'm from. Like a lot of people in Europe and the Eastern part of the world are more aware of where Mauritius is. But I have found that in the Western side of the world, not so much. And so I constantly would have to, you know, find myself telling people where I'm from and everyone being like, what? I don't know what this is. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think, you know, part of that is especially at a young age, I was 19 at the time, I didn't want to stick out. I just wanted to fully embrace my new home, fully embrace the culture, but also feeling accepted. Because when I first moved here, I didn't have anyone else. I didn't have any relatives. I had a few friends actually from Mauritius, but not in the same city that I was in. So I, I couldn't see them you know, on a regular basis. So I, I think, you know, without realizing it, that's kind of what I jumped into and in a way was a way to survive, right, in a new, in a new environment. And I never thought about that up until a few months ago when I joined Giselle Allen's Facebook group, which is all for women of color uh, entrepreneurs. And it was the first time that I actually you know felt comfortable in a space uh, with other women of color. I just had never even thought of seeking out a group for women of color before. And part of that I think, is just where I'm located in Canada and there are a lot more white folks than people of color. There is some cultural diversity, but uh, primarily uh, there's more white folks around me. And so I just got used to that. I just adapted to it, right? And so I never thought of seeking out this kind of experience. And I remember when I first joined um, the group and I would read about other people's experiences as they introduced themselves and what they were hoping to get out of the group. I thought, wow, I'm not... the only one I want that I and and I think the part of it was there were things that I didn't realize I wanted when it came to connection and connecting to other people who had similar experiences to me and part of that were meeting other people who were of mixed uh, cultural backgrounds. I, you know, I don't find myself being surrounded with a lot of people with that that identity as well. So it was really amazing all of a sudden to feel like, wow, all of these women who I can relate to what they're saying, I could, you know, I really appreciate what they bring to the group. That was, you know, the first step towards that. And then from there, it was kind of like peeling back layers, really. And now being in the group, the mindset group, I started to, to realize that I just, at some point, I stopped talking about the fact that I'm from Mauritius, I stopped thinking about what I can bring to the table as someone from Mauritius. And I do know that part of that experience is also having gone through the immigration system here and wanting to continue to make Canada my home. So I, you know, when I first moved here, I wanted to go here for school as a student. Didn't know at the time if I wanted to stay past that time. And I wanted to, I found, you know, a career that I loved, a partner that I love as well, and just a community that I feel very comfortable, comfortable with. And so, you know, it always felt like you had to kind of prove yourself in some ways. And sometimes, at least in my experience, what it felt like was the more you're like them, the more you're accepted. Right. And so I think without realizing that I was doing it, I was putting aside my identity and my strengths as someone who is from Mauritius and my experiences as well. Right. And I just never thought of it talking about it up until you know recently when I when I joined this group and now I'm like oh yeah I I should own that part of my story you know.
0: Yeah I mean it's interesting it's been my experience too in the group that I have this feeling that I didn't know what I was missing until I got it. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that G-Cell talks about is people having wounds or trauma around community with other people of color, because that's one of the things that you lose through colonization. It interrupts your ability to connect with yourself and to connect with other people. And it sounds like Mauritius really has a unique experience because technically it's not stolen land, so that's unique. (laughs) Uh, And everybody, it sounds like, is a blend of the colonizer and the colonized, because they literally brought everybody to the island. But when you really think about it, almost everyone is that. Everyone of color. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, honestly, a lot of other people are too, but they don't process or acknowledge that. And I've just started to realize more and more through the work in the group that I feel so connected to everybody and everybody's experience resonates because our lived experiences, our shared experiences parallel so much. So it isn't so much that everybody's in the same cultural or ethnic group. It's that almost everyone is going through that same process of recovering from being a blend of the colonizer and the colonized Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: looking for safety and belonging in life, wherever we live, which almost everybody, it's in a majority white area or majority white country. And proximity to whiteness comes with safety and a lot of nice things that naturally you seek out and there's nobody there to help you navigate what am I giving up as I pursue this obvious way to access safety and what other options are there that no one has presented to me because one they're not having the same lived experience because they're white and they wouldn't know to tell me because they literally don't know what my lived experience is like and having someone who's done taking the time to really start looking at what have we given up? What have we sacrificed that's important to our identity and essential to us being able to fully show up in our businesses and attract people to us because what we're doing feels right. And that comes across. You
1: said community and safety and belonging. And I think that is the key to this healing process. Really, it is a healing process, right? Because you do need to have a safe space to feel comfortable in bring, like, bringing forward that part of yourself and sharing it with other people. Because you know, it, these are very vulnerable experiences some of it you know it's it's something that you've been carrying with you for a long time and so you want to feel not just safe but also seen right and heard when you're talking about those experiences and so definitely having a space that's created for people who can relate to that and who are willing to listen and you know, be there for support, be there for guidance in in many ways.
0: Yeah, it's been awesome. It's crazy how the way your body and your brain just wants for you to survive and it'll do whatever it takes. And it doesn't factor in like, am I going to think this is problematic in 10 years? <laughs> like That's not something we think about because this is all happening subconsciously. You're It makes sense when you get to a new country, you do what you must to survive. It makes sense that all of us at different points in our lives, you do what makes the most sense for your survival. And only when you're in a safe place, can you start to dig deeper and refine how you want to approach your life. So I think we're lucky that we're at a place in our lives, like Mm -hmm. financially, time-wise, everything to be able to take this time to dig deeper. Because I think about, my mom's generation and my grandma's generation as immigrants, not having the time or the bandwidth to ever do this work.
1: And the perhaps the connections too, right? Because it, when I think about it, if, we didn't have the internet. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't have met a lot of the of women that I interact with these days. Like a lot of people who I talk to frequently now are not within my geographical area.
0: Oh, and, yeah, and, so and I
1: think that that makes a big difference, right? Being able to know that you can still find community and connection outside of just where you're currently where you currently are.
0: That is huge. And I remember this makes me sound so old because <laughs> I don't <laughs> feel like it was that long ago, but I remember an undergrad in a sociology class, them wanting us to identify the difference between a primary and a secondary connection. And I thought, based on the definition, that there was no way to have a primary connection with someone, a close connection with someone online. And even though the teacher is way older than me, they're like, no, that doesn't make any sense based on all these ways that people build connection. You can absolutely do that remotely. People used to do it with pen pals. People can do that with someone. They call on the phone and they send telegraphs. You don't have to be in the same physical space for somebody to be part of your inner circle and to really change the way you live your life and influence you. And I was skeptical back then, showing <laughs> my age, because Facebook was kind of new. And I was like, mm, I don't think anybody's going to be like, <laughs> changed by these people we don't know on MySpace, even older. But yeah, oh, yeah, now, yeah MySpace. <laughs> now I can see the way we even use the internet has changed. It used to feel a lot more like people were kind of shouting into the void, maybe just Almost like you're posting things on a message board. Let's pretend we're boomers. Posting yeah. things on a message <laughs> board. <laughs> and you don't necessarily expect any response. You don't check for a response. But now I really feel like we're putting the social back into social media and people are really, not everyone, of course, but a lot of people are really building community and building connection and filling that gap. Because community I agree. is antidote to so much of our Issues related to systemic oppression. Like we really need a chosen family. If you can't find them in real life, the internet is a perfect place to look.
1: I agree, and you know what? I do think that part of that too is a lot of people choosing to take that time, as you said, to to now take that time to understand our past experiences, current experience, and then you know choosing how we want to move forward and who we want as part of that experience right because really like if I think about it I didn't I never thought about this up until I finally stopped and gave myself some time to process it all and then from there choose the next step forward right so I think that's that's a really important part and as you said like I think because people are taking the time to, to do that now they can start to connect with people with similar experiences, perhaps people who resonate with what they're saying and create genuine connections and conversations through that, right? Because it's not... When you bring up identity and, you know, your experience as a person of color, you're not, it's not small talk. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, it's, it really, you start to really bond over that. And I think that's a very powerful way to connect with someone else. And I think with that kind of connection, whether it's, you know, in person or online, it doesn't matter because there is that that powerful bonding experience through something that we both can understand. We can both relate to in some ways and yeah.
0: Yeah. And especially now with social distancing and us not knowing how much our future will be informed by the need to not be physically close to each other all the time. I mean, this could be an ongoing thing. I was watching planet of the apes again Maybe for the millionth time. (laughs) (laughs) Just looking at one of the prequels, you know, where the virus is just slowly, completely changing the landscape of the planet and thinking, yeah, you know, this could be not that Planet of the Apes. (laughs) is what i should be basing my predictions on no you never know this could be our new normal for like a really long time or maybe for the rest of our lifetime and kind of trying to settle into accepting that and not fighting the present tense or fighting the reality of what is and accepting all of the good that has come out of this season and even understanding the power of long-distance connections i think a lot of us Still, we're not equating long distance contact with IRL contact. And now it has to be the same because even your friends that live in town with you, you're not hanging out unless it's you're- It's all about Zoom people. these days. Exactly. Some <laughs> right? of these virus deniers that we have in my state are uh, still hanging out in person, but I am not friends with those people. Those are others. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and you know what, I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I do think that it's during this pandemic that I've taken the time to think about how else I could reach out to other people and find connections these ways. Otherwise, I I don't know if I would have questioned the way that I, you know, interact with people on Instagram or, you know, wanting to join Facebook groups and what Facebook groups to join to create community and how i want to interact with i do notice that now when i join facebook groups and especially recently joining spaces that are uh, tailored for women of color i find that i now reach out wanting for a virtual coffee date to get to know the person and it's it often comes from you know if they've shared something that i'm like yes me too i Like, I can understand that. I want to know more about this. I now make the effort of actually sending them a message and asking, would you want to do a virtual coffee date? And getting to know a lot of people this way. And I've created such rich new friendships through that. I mean, you're included in that.
0: It's so funny (laughs) because I never would have, before I was one of those people who dropped in the group, looked around and left. (laughs) I yes, me really too. Or anything. just sit back. Yeah, just sit back and, and watch what yeah, other people are I doing. Just look, right? And yeah, now I've actually been using groups and communicating with people. One, one of the things that's been most interesting to me is the concept that doing your business in a way that's all about just chasing the sale and putting your offers out there, but not building relationships really doesn't fit with the cultural roots of most people of color because yes. so many of us come from indigenous backgrounds or just backgrounds that really are all about community and doing things together. And the concept that we don't have to do business in the only way we've probably seen it modeled living in the West or living just in white dominated spaces, maybe not mm-hmm. necessarily in the West that, you can do this and be you and build relationships and not use anyone and actually think about the group. Like that that's a possibility is so Mm -hmm. new to me and it just fits perfectly with being in the season of building relationships and feeling how good that feels.
1: I agree. And you know what? I think there's one thing about hearing about that being a a new way of doing things, but then the next step is to actually embody that, right? And that's where <laughs> I don't know about you, but a lot of the fear comes up, a lot of the yeah. doubt comes up. <laughs> and that's where I'm really, really happy that I have, you know, a group of people to, to help you with that through the mindset program. And of course, having a coach to help me through that. But it, yeah, it's definitely one thing to kind of hear other people talk about it, but then really embodying what that means. Yeah. And that's, It's vulnerable, really, because now you're shedding all of your own layers and you're showing up in your truest form.
0: Yes, it is scary. (laughs) I remember I said right before you said you were going to join the program, too. I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to see how much we've just like blown up. (laughs) But <laughs> and I was just thinking about the fun end point where I envision, like, I'm gonna have all my shit together. I'm not even sure exactly what I envisioned. I just was feeling stuck, and I had all these blocks with money, and I wasn't able to really move forward with what I wanted to do. And I just thought, this person resonates, this coach resonates, this group resonates this is going to fix me was my thought. And I didn't really think about the work I would have to do in between starting and getting my shit together. Like I just kept, yeah. like, Oh, we're going to have it going on in December. But the actual <laughs> process has been really kind of difficult, but it feels right. Yeah.
1: It's very rewarding. And there, there's definitely a, a huge sense of fulfillment and I don't know about you but I would describe it for me as a feeling of coming home yeah it, you know like it's it's finally sort of I I don't even know how to describe it but I think especially you know because we bring in our identities into the picture and because we are really going deep into what is the bold message and impact that we want to have. You have to, to turn things back around to like who you want to be and who you want to connect with, right? And so mm. that in a in many ways has felt like, oh, I'm coming home to myself. Yes. <laughs> and that's that's a yeah. very good feeling. And there's definitely the fears and the roller coaster, but In the moments where I feel more peaceful, (laughs) it it definitely feels right and it definitely feels like, it feels lighter in in some ways, you know, and like less resistance once I'm kind of past, you know, the doubt and all of that. It just, it feels a more natural state, I think.
0: It definitely feels lighter. It's weird. It's like when you're afraid to do something. But the minute you get it done, you feel like a weight has been lifted. Whereas sometimes I felt like I was dragging my feet with things I needed to do for projects or for social media, for my business. And the feeling of the weight or the drudgery, it never lifted. So, yeah, and we, it just
1: didn't feel like you did what you actually wanted to do, right? Like exactly. you were doing, it. Like, it feels like you're doing all of the things around it.
0: <laughs> yes. 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 But
1: not actually doing the thing <laughs> that on some level, you know, is what you really want.
0: Right. And is, and is the most important thing for you to do to move forward. I love the idea of, like you said, because this is deep work you have to look inward and see what do you really want to be doing? Who do you really want to be connecting with? And how do you really want to exist in this world and getting to a place where your professional life and your personal life and personal growth and professional growth happen all at the same time. And it's just like, you're literally just living your life. Like there was a point where I think all of us, our ancestors, did not separate these things.
1: Yes,
0: and you were just lo- you all the time. You bartering, you creating things, you providing value to your neighbors. You didn't have to be like a caricature or something when you. Yeah, wanted you to didn't have to yourself. separate
1: all these different parts of yourself. I agree, yes. and I think that's why I'm describing it as a feeling of coming home because now you're just meshing all of that back together instead of yeah. okay in this space this is how I show up here this is this is what I'm comfortable showing to other people you know what I mean it's just like yes. now feeling comfortable with the whole you instead of little pieces that you're gonna throw in this space you're gonna throw in that space
0: <laughs> yes and you feel so just broken up into pieces and, and that's not draining whole. Oh, exhausting. It's and I, exhausting. It's so funny because it is a coming home. Because if you think about it, even if we can't remember when we were personally like this, we've seen this all in toddlers.
1: Two mm-hmm. is probably
0: the best stage when you learn that you can control your environment by saying no, and it becomes a magical <laughs> word. And it's your answer to every fucking thing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the answer is no, but you <laughs> liked pizza yesterday. But today I hate it. You know, it's just... <laughs> Realizing that you can be yourself and control your environment. It's so empowering, and to see a child kind of feeling that power and testing their limits, and still being in that space where they fully accept themselves and they're just they're themselves twenty four seven. Oh yeah, like it or not, whether or not you're hoping they're going to be polite to some stranger, they're just going to be them. And if no filters. Happens, no filters, no filters, no filters. <laughs> the toddlers give zero fucks about your feelings they're just here to tell it like it is yeah (laughs) and then you remember how people train that out of you and to some extent I understand socialization is beneficial especially for people of color sometimes it's a safety thing that you have to be socialized to understand when it's safe to totally just let it rip when you have a thought and when it's not safe (laughs) But then too, there's so many things we're taught that are not necessary and that make us feel so uncertain about what should I say? What should I do? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? And I've seen it when I work with kids with basic, basic stuff, like before the pandemic, even just giving them art projects and things to color, the little kids never ask, am I coloring this cow the right color? Is purple an appropriate color? Can I color this cloud red? They don't ask. They just get all the colors and do what they want and they laugh and they have a good time and they show you their masterpiece with like all this pride. And That's the kids that are in kindergarten and in Head Start. You get to second grade and already they're like, is this okay? Like I tried to stay in between the lines. Like I tried. That's so true. And it's so It's so sad. I want to tell them, like, stop listening to these stupid adults. You do what you want to do, but that wouldn't really be good advice because it's going to be good (laughs) or it's safe for them to just let it all hang out. And I feel like we're getting back to that place, who we were at the beginning. Well, and I think part of it is just making room for having those
1: conversations, right? Because if it's not talked about, then you're just kind of burying it deeper and deeper and you just kind of move on. And it feels like things get more and more out of balance yes. and it keeps draining energy out of you. But I think having these conversations and being able to communicate what's going on helps you create like a balance where, you know, you're not, you're not feeling like you're having to give everything, your power away to... Yes. others you are able to you know stay true to who you are and still being able to have the impact and interactions that you wish to have with others and respecting you know what they want as well and yes (laughs) right so I think you know just yeah that having those conversations and now I feel like more and more people are wanting to talk about that
0: oh yes it does feel like a the whole planet is like having this shift at the same time.
1: Exactly. And I think that's the powerful, it's, I think that's what I've observed as, you know, a powerful shift in the last couple of months amongst many things.
0: Yes. yes. <laughs>
1: but that's definitely, that's definitely what, and I do wonder if it is because, you know, we've had to pause the way that we are used to doing things. Right. And now we have to rethink <laughs> Yeah. how we're doing things
0: yeah it feels like honestly not to be too airy-fairy or to sound like crazy optimistic <laughs> but you know sometimes like the way your body will make you stop so that you can handle mm-hmm. because you will not do it on your own it feels like the universe or the planet maybe it was just the planet said I'm gonna give them a little help oh or yeah <laughs> gonna stop you're gonna (laughs) reevaluate yeah and you can make some changes so this is a, a powerful season
1: and you know what it's it's been interesting because for me in my practice like I talk a lot about stress and burnout and energy and how that all relates to confidence too and it's been really I've been really loving seeing how like talking about your identity and your experiences is such a big part of that because in my practice, I do talk about, you know, not just work. Like I've, I've find a lot of people, you know, career is the big focus. And so I often see people who experience burnout because of the heavy focus on career and what it means to be mm-hmm. successful. And so we talk about different areas of life. But one thing that I hadn't always considered is how – identity and, you know, your experiences are such a crucial part of that too. And how, you know, in turn that affects all those different areas of your life and therefore affects where you put your energy out, how you replenish your energy and all of those things.
0: Ah, The whole growth process is just beautiful. And I can't wait to see what you're going to be creating at the top of the year so where do people find you so that they can connect to your work the
1: best way to honestly find me is instagram <laughs> and so my handle is sarah osman wellness so hopefully you can link that somewhere in there yes, uh, and I'll then put you it can also find me yeah you can also find me through my website which is the same I handle sarah dot so those are the two best places to find me and connect with me And then what's coming up next? Well, I just hosted a webinar this week all about releasing the guilt of saying no and the burnout of handling more than we want to. And I'm thinking of having it again soon. And then otherwise, launching a three-week one-on-one intensive program that's all about getting clear on what is essential to you in order to thrive, especially when it comes to energy. What do you need to have in order to be able to find fulfillment and energy on a daily basis, instead of waiting until you're drained and not Mm. knowing what to do and then having recovery tools uh, to handle stressful situations and strategies to to finally let go of what you don't need on your plate because we have this tendency of piling on <laughs> as much as we can and so finding ways to let go of what you don't need because there's a mm. lot of fear attached to letting go it's called
0: recalibrate excellent thank you so much for coming on today oh thank you for having me this is a great conversation <laughs> what came up for you today? If you were inspired to start looking at some of your programming from your childhood, from your teen life, from your adult years that isn't really serving you anymore, please reach out to me, reach out to Sarah on Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Remember, the only fee for the show is that you share it with others anytime you hear something useful. Anytime you like and review the show, you're helping this message reach other people thank you so much for that. Join me again in two weeks when I will have Celia Daniels on the show. Celia is an amazing person and an intersectional activist. She dropped a lot of fascinating gems about the trans experience for South Asian folks. You're not going to want to miss this. Also, I wanna let you know that I have spots available on my calendar right now for one-on-one coaching. The coaching program isn't for just anyone. The one-on-one coaching is for someone who has already started doing the work, who loves spiritual work. It's really meant to take you to that next level because it has taken us a lifetime to develop our current patterns. It only makes sense to give yourself at least a year to really go deep with this kind of work. If you want to have a chat and see if one-on-one coaching could be for you, please check out the link in the show notes and pop on over to the website to make an appointment. All right, y'all. I will see you next time.